and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And we want to wish you a Happy New Year. Will this be out before? This comes out on, on January the oh 2nd. Imagine that. Of 2020, which according to half the populace is the start of the new decade. So we'll call it the start of the new decade. All right. Well, there's sure. there's fights now whether it starts at one and goes through ten, or starts at zero and goes through nine. Or maybe this year just doesn't count. It just doesn't count. And if you guys are as stressed about this year as I am, I would uh, I would direct you to the podcast Worst Year Ever, which is specifically about 2020 and the election coming up. So uh, if you need someone to stress with you about that, then that is a good option. In the meantime, how is your week? We're we're recording this before it is 2020. It is still 2019. Right. So the last week was actually really good. I had a really good Christmas. Good Christmas. We kind of had, a, if it was a TV show, it would be like a very hammer Christmas. It was lit by candelabra and firelight yes. and with a, a bright red or dark red a tablecloth, and we were well, eating. Well, that's what we always do, although it was know. very dark. <laughs> yes, it was very dark and red and creepy. And We opted to go, yes, candle over chandeliers. Right, so. and I was tempted to leave a table or a space at the table open for Christopher Lee in case Maybe he, there, he Well, there was away. an empty, ta- de- right, uh, an empty chair. So. In case he wanted to join us. But, um, yes, it was, it was wonderfully weird and strange. It's the kind of Christmas I've always wanted to have. I made a giant meat roast. You made a gigantic it, meat roast. It, it was, was delicious. Good. I'm glad to hear it. Do you want to get into this mess Shh. of a film? You know, I <laughs> I was mentioning before that I was trying to describe this to my coworkers who thought I was making this movie mm-hmm. up. Mm. It is very strange. So this is a rough watch if you are of either Romani or Irish descent and the word gypsy is a problem because it's a slur. Uh, and we are going to say it as little as possible. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try and replace it with Romany. I believe that is the people that they were intending to portray. Or mock. Uh, it's going to be... And yeah. also, if you're of a person who's ever had any issues with weight, this movie's a big fuck you. The, this, the, the movie, I, I read one review that called it a descent into self-parody. Hmm. And it feels that way because it gets more ridiculous as it goes as on. As it goes on. And by the end of the film, there's um, something that we'll mention when we get there that is just so absurd as an image mm. that it destroys any kind of creepiness the film had before that. I, I would actually disagree with you, but that's we'll get there. Mm-hmm. So we're talking, in case I didn't say, because I don't think I did, about Thinner, mm-hmm. Uh Written by Michael McDowell and Tom Holland. Directed by Tom Holland. That is the same director that just gave us the Langoliers. <laughs> this is not an improvement. So that's happening. This movie came out uh, October 25th, 1996. That is my mother's birthday. Mm. Uh, oh, is Spelling Films International Tori Spelling's dad's? I imagine it was. That's what I, I thought it was. Tori Spelling's dad's name was Aaron Spelling? Aaron Spelling. That's right, okay. See, it's interesting when you get to know a person through that way, because Aaron Spelling was a huge deal when I was a kid producing The Love Boat and producing Fantasy Island, and I think Dynasty, the nighttime soap operas. So yeah, the idea that he's going to be remembered as Tori Spelling's dad is kind of funny. Well, yeah. Well, I will say, they are also the presenters of movies like 
the usual suspects mm-hmm. and breakdown and in and out. Oh, so, okay. you know, it's not listed on this website. Is it there? <laughs> yep. <laughs> the filmography does not include this film. So that's interesting because I definitely did see that when it oh, came yes, up. Oh, yes, it is. It's, it's listed um, as a, accredited as a um, so production company. The book that it is based on is was written in 1984 or released in 1984 and it was released as a Bachman book. Mm-hmm. So it was not released as a Stephen King title. I think if you buy it now though, a newer copy would have Stephen King's name on it. Okay. I think maybe. Let me give you a little bit on the where it comes from for him. Right. He says that it is partly based on an episode in his life. He had weighed uh, 236 pounds and was warned by his doctor that he needed to lose weight and stop smoking. Uh, he did, in fact, lose the weight, but he was angered by the fact that the decision to lose weight was not really his own, mm-hmm. but had been forced on him by his doctor. Although he could have very easily just not done it. <laughs> right. Wouldn't have been. So he began to contemplate what would happen if somebody were to lose weight and then be unable to stop losing weight. And then that's where this film or this story sort of germinated. Uh, that's very interesting. Um, how tall is he? He's over six feet tall, right? I believe he's like six one. I want to say he's six three, but I'm curious about I that. I would say most people are six three. So. Because I say that it's strange how what is considered overweight. Well, yeah. And what isn't? I weigh two hundred and twenty pounds, and I'm five foot eleven. Yeah, six four at two thirty six doesn't does seem overweight to me at all. Now, if you if combined with smoking and a re- relatively sedentary lifestyle, mm-hmm. as he was writing for eight hours a day, right. these may have led to some heart problems or some cholesterol problems. Okay. I don't know. I can't diagnose a man from you know, thirty for almost forty years ago, right. but um, that's where it came from. Now this. Yeah, the weight thing in this movie is real rough. Mm-hmm. And as a big person, I kind of had to zone out from a lot of it. Right. Because it was just hard to listen to. It was just hard to listen to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we start and we are um, introduced to Billy Halleck. He's our main character. Uh, he's played by Robert John Burke, who's been in all kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, I think the first time I became uh, aware of him is when he played, uh, he took over the role of Robocop, I think. He was in Robocop 3. Yeah. As Alex J. Murphy slash Robocop. So, yeah. But he's become a really prolific character actor since then. He was in Tombstone. Yeah. More recently in The Black, Black Klansman. Yeah. Uh, so I really like him as an actor. Typically, mm-hmm. he's asked to do a lot, and to start with, he's doing it in a fat suit. Mm-hmm. We know that he weighs, I think, two hundred and ninety-seven pounds when the movie opens. Right. Uh, he is a lawyer. Uh, lives with his wife Heidi and his daughter Linda. Back in the time when you'd name your daughter Linda. This, that feels like leftover 80s naming conventions. Uh, his, they would have changed it to like Jennifer for the 90s. His but. daughter Linda is played by an actress who perpetually confuses me. What, what is that She's very mean? good in the film. Her name is Bethany Joy Lenz. Right. She 
is very she and she's commented on this before because she gets it all the time. She is superficially really resembles the actress Kay Lenz from a generation earlier. And she is not in any way related. She is not in any way, shape, or form related to her. But if you look at them, they look very much like they could be mother and daughter. Are they sure? Has she 23 and Mead? Because I don't maybe know. she it's is. It's very odd, and I would love to put a picture of the two of them side by side. She apparently is often asked that question because there's a physical resemblance and because the name Lens, spelled this way, is not common. Right. Um, but yeah, she's very good in this film, the daughter. She, she brings a lot of life into the part. And it's an ask because she's asked to be sort of the, the dad's motivation because he's not a really nice guy. No, he's not. He's not. So he's an attorney. They're mm-hmm. well off. Uh, he has defended and uh, succeeded in defending a crime boss, uh, Richie the Hammer Janelli, played in full Simpsons-esque regalia at, by Joe... Joe uh, Mantegna. Mantegna. Who is... You referred to him in... <laughs> <laughs> with another slur, though, I don't think we're going to do here. Uh, um, well, in my defense, <laughs> I have Sicilian relatives, uh-huh. so I heard it a lot when I was oh, a kid. Okay. So it's just it a I came across my uncle Antonio um, from my mom's side uh, and Rudy. They were my Italian uncles, and so I. It was just thrown around a lot. I, okay, we're I, not going to... We're not going to... I tend not to gonna, think of it as a slur just because it's like... But they, it totally definitely that is. That and worse ones actually is. So, but he is really leaning into Italian yes. mob boss stereotypes. Yeah. Like, he's he's the live action version of a Simpsons character. Mm-hmm. And we were discussing the Simpsons kind of ruins a lot. And I, we had talked about that in mm-hmm. our rewatching of It with Tim Curry's Pennywise... Because too much of that felt like Sideshow Bob or Krusty. It's amplified when the man who does the voice on The Simpsons is acting in the movie that you're watching. Like, it's not even like reminiscent of. It is exactly that thing. So, yeah, he's really leaning heavily into cigar, red wine, and pasta. Yeah. Forget about it. He's uh, in the course of the, the whole film. Line. He's constant. He doesn't really. How can I put it? Nothing is verified unless he's talked to his mama about it. Yes. At one point, we cut to him. He's in a bar chatting up two women. Yeah. And uh, and mama's making meatballs. Apparently, right? Mama's making behind meatballs the bar. behind the counter or something. <laughs> and then, well, can a gypsy put a curse on somebody? Hey, mama, can a gypsy put a curse on somebody? Well, I don't think so. But let me ask my mama. Right. Like, well, if you don't. Think so? Then so she's what is <laughs> yeah. between hooking up with um, a chicks at the, the bar? He then takes time to talk to his mama talk because his he's mama. just yeah. an Italian guy, and that's how we do. <laughs> and he shoots guns, he beats people up. That's pretty much what he does. Yeah. So they go out. He takes them out to dinner after their big win, um, and then on the way home, Heidi his wife decides to give him roadhead. <clears throat> For those of you who don't know what that is, she decides to um, pleasure him orally while he is driving. Y'all, don't do this. This is a public service announcement from the latecomers. This right. is a deeply unsafe act. Pull the idea. car over. For anybody? No. 
uh, our, the, our roommate who we were watching this with was like, I do not think she could physically do that at this size. Uh, it's possible. I don't know. I'm not going to I, do an obesity check on right. <laughs> the anatomy of this man. I can man. understand her opinion, though, from the makeup, from what we yes. see later. Now, he is um, also, he is, wear, he is very clearly wearing a fat suit. Right. He is wearing a fat suit that we actually see almost all of because yes. they ta- he takes his clothes off in this, in the gym. People are constantly just pulling his clothes off and then calling him fat. Like, this is just a thing that happens in, like, every third scene. No, It's wild. I will say that that in some way does reflect the way that people get treated, especially I know. men. So <laughs> I understand the need to have it in there. But, yes, it gets kind of It's awful. literally, there's not a scene in this movie where somebody either doesn't go, mm-hmm. whoa, you want to go easy on that food, or, hey, you found a diet that works for you. Right. It's one of those that, two things. That line gets repeated constantly. In constantly. The I think that line is repeated like 50 times in this movie. Mm-hmm. No exaggeration. Right. It's said by doctors, friends, family. It's said when he's... <coughs> Sorry. It's said when he is clearly unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, oh, but you really found a diet that worked for you. Meanwhile, he never stops eating in this movie. Mm-mm. I made a joke... About two-thirds of the way through this movie, that Brad Pitt must have seen this movie. This must be the first movie that Brad Pitt ever saw, and that's why he always thinks he needs to be eating in a scene, because that's what acting is. This main character is trying to keep weight on, because he is cursed. And he's eating constantly. Mm -hmm. And And Brad Pitt has a penchant for eating constantly. I have a suggestion for why that is, but Uh, go ahead. Oh, okay. And uh, so I mentioned that this must be a formative, right. like a, a formative acting lesson that acting Brad Pitt took, eating. which our roommate, also watching the film, believed twice. And I was like, "No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm clearly joking." But also, it could. I don't know. I don't know what Brad Pitt was doing in 1997. No. Uh, I think he was already in movies in 1997. So, uh, okay, so. Yeah, she. What my understanding is, yes, and this comes from Donald Pleasance in the film Dracula. The oh. director mentioned that he was always eating or making an excuse to eat or pop something into his mouth, and at first he thought that Pleasance was getting into character, and then realized that you can't cut you can't when a cut. person's yeah, chewing or not is. chewing, so it winds up giving them more screen time whether they mean to or not. That can't be why. In I this. don't think that's the reason why. <laughs> it might explain Brad Pitt in the early days, though. Certainly. There you go. Although he's doing it in Ocean's movies. That's not really maybe early Maybe this became days. a trademark after a while. Yeah, maybe. People expect to see it. Uh, yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, if you're eating a thing, mm-hmm. you have to keep you all of that in. the screen time. Yeah. Um, but also it doesn't let you cut Mm-mm. parts out. Because it was like, well, you had a sandwich and now you don't right. have a sandwich. So where'd your sandwich go? <laughs> uh, it's clever, I guess. Yeah. Character actors have all sorts of tricks. So... She decides to do this deeply dangerous thing as they're driving home and causes him to get in a car accident wherein he strikes and kills uh, a Romany woman named Susan, Suzanne Lemke. Uh, you don't see a whole lot that night. Mm-hmm. It sort of cuts to the trial. And to the credit of the director and the writer, the movie moves at a clip. It does. And it has to. 
Because um, if not, you'll go, what the hell am I watching? And why is it so strange? Yeah. So the judge, who is his friend, Carrie Rossington, who earlier in the, in the film had uh, shouted epithets at mm-hmm. these uh, people and wanted them out of the town, uh, lets him off, just says, this is clearly an accident, and that's it. Uh, the police chief, uh, Duncan Hopley, obstructs the case by committing perjury for Billy, saying that I think that he, oh, that he was sober because he'd also been drinking. He was drinking at dinner. He probably wasn't drunk. It wasn't the alcohol that caused this issue. It was Heidi in his lap. Right. Inappropriate. Uh, so he gets off scot-free, basically, uh, and goes out into the square where... Uh, the old man of the group comes up to him. I guess his name is Tadzu Lemke and rubs his face and just says thinner. And then he goes away. Now, a quick thing on this character. This character we find out is 106 years old. He is the father of the old woman that they struck who looked to be in her 80s, and mm-hmm. was, in fact, in her 80s. Uh, this uh, elder of this group is 106 years old. In the book, he has an ulcer on his nose that has taken over his nose. He does not have a Effectively nose Effectively does not have a nose. Uh, in this, they've mm. given him a sore, which they do mention at one point. One of them is like, that ulcer, how could you forget it? Mm-hmm. And... It's pretty forgettable, actually. Like, they left that in, I think, from Mm -hmm. the book, not sort of anticipated, because... How repulsive is this movie and this character going to wind up being? Because we do see some pretty disgusting things. We do. Over the course of the film. We do. But, I mean, I'm not saying they should have Mm -hmm. done that. That's a hard thing to look at. Yeah. But don't mention it if it's not that big of a deal. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, uh, soon after the cursing, uh, Billy starts to lose weight rapidly. Despite him not drinking the smoothies, not doing the exercise that he's supposed to do. That his wife is constantly pushing him to do. Yes, she makes him smoothies in the morning. At one point, we also see him being ushered up. Well, he, earlier in the film, we see him go to his office. And he's inclined to take the stairs as an attempt to lose weight, which is, at his size, is probably courting a heart attack. Well. Um, because he's out of breath and wasted by the time he gets it's in. At very least, it's bad for his joints. Right. Uh, so he starts losing weight, and and his wife now is like, oh, rapid weight loss might be a sign of cancer. And he's mm-hmm. like, I can't win. I can't. If I lose right. weight, I have cancer. If I don't lose weight, I'm like, uh, like, what do you want from me? Mm-hmm. Which is understandable a little bit. So he goes and has a bunch of tests run, and he's fine. There's no cancer anywhere. His all of his health looks good, but he's and he's. This is when we start seeing him eating constantly because mm-hmm. he says, "If I don't take in, like, I'm losing six pounds a day. No, I'm losing three pounds a day." I skipped lunch yesterday, and when I got home, I had lost six pounds. Yeah. So I have to keep eating. I'm eating 12,000 calories a day just to keep losing three pounds at a time, not six or more. Mm-hmm. He sort of goes to this weight loss clinic by Dr. Mike Houston. Mm-hmm. 
uh, where they do a bunch of tests on him, and they're like, nope, you're losing a bunch of weight, and we don't know why. We'll try and figure this out in the next two to four weeks. And he's like, I'm going to be dead in two to four weeks as he's nomming down on more and more food. And he also starts to think that uh, Heidi and Dr. Mike are having an affair. Now, is it ever... It's, clarified. It never seems to be said directly, but there's a scene at the end of the film that seems to suggest that something might have been going on. Mm-hmm. It's never made very explicit in the movie. Okay. He's there at times when he shouldn't be there. Right. We see her coming into the kitchen at one point. It looks like pulling on her pants, mm-hmm. but she could have been in the bathroom. Well, I don't know. Part of, <laughs> don't this know is why that. we get to know as much as we want to be sympathetic towards Mr. Halleck is that he's not a great person because that's no. where his mind goes, and then he's just really grinding away at this in his head. Yeah, yeah. The entire time. Which is wild because his wife clearly had wanted him. Mm-hmm. Like, she's not not being with him. Right. So, uh, yeah. I mean, if she did not care about him, she would not have been trying so hard to get him to be healthier than he was. Well, but also, she wouldn't have gone down on him in that car. Right. <laughs> like, Which you could make the argument that she wanted the lifestyle that he was giving her, but at the same right. time, I don't think that she's that bad a character. No. she Yeah, she's got her issues, but she's not the worst person mm-hmm. in this movie. So, uh, eventually, she, he, he goes to find um, the judge, Carrie mm-hmm. Rossington, and uh, is unable to uh, get to him. And his wife basically invites him in and is like, she's lost it. She's drinking and is just kind of, as much as we don't love the word hysterical, that is that she's like laughing and nonsensical a yeah. little bit and saying basically that, uh, care, like the judge said he didn't hear what the word was because he also got touched on the face and uh, the the elder had uttered a word uh, and he, he said he didn't hear that word but she mm-hmm. was like the, he knew he heard lizard I heard lizard it's lizard he's turning into a lizard <laughs> um, and so now he's off at a derm, dermatological, dermatological yeah, yeah, center a good, good word. Uh, to figure out what that's about they say maybe it's skin cancer we mm-hmm. see him later Uh, And then he goes and checks in with the police chief who had lied for him. And he is a half boil, half man, I think. I like the term purulent ulcer. Okay. He seems to be suffering from a gross distortion of the face. And his hand, like his Mm. hand was all puffy. Right. But only like the right side of his body. Uh, We don't know what his word was, so... Ick. I believe his word was ick. Ick. Billy finally tries to go find the camp where all of these people are to reason with this man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't... I don't think it's going to work out for him. Why, I, that's some, I think, white privilege. <laughs> he thinks he's going to be able to do that. Uh, but... <laughs> It, and it doesn't work. It backfires. And he, the, he says he, he makes it worse. Like it's going to go faster uh, than it already is. And Gina, who is 
the great-granddaughter of this elder, the granddaughter of the woman who was killed, Mm -hmm. who I really thought at first was Shawnee Smith when I first saw her. Well, she wins the Shawnee Smith Award for overacting. She's, She's doing the screeching thing. So who is this woman? This is Kari Warher. Okay. Warher. Why do we know her? We know her from Anaconda. We know her from Sliders. Hmm. Uh, where she was one of the recurring characters. And she uh, she's also done other things, but those are the places where I remember her most from. Uh, she did a lot of sort of science fiction and fantasy stuff. Eight-Legged Freaks. Do you remember yes, that one? Yes, I do. Didn't care for it. You don't like spiders? Don't enjoy... What's his face? Mr. Courtney Cox. Oh, Okay. Arquette, David Arquette. Yeah. I don't okay. enjoy David Arquette. <laughs> she's really going all in. She has a slingshot and she shoots a ball bearing through Billy's hand. So that's rough. And then Billy vows revenge against all of them. And then he enlists his Sicilian friend. I don't know if he's Sicilian. He's Italian for sure. So we'll call him Italian. He does enlist an attack, but he doesn't succeed in doing... They've said, yes, his mother says, yes, curses are real. Mm -hmm. And the only person who can take the curse off is the person who put the curse on. So they can't just kill the old man because then he's doomed. So then there's like a firefight. It feels like it was was filmed using fireworks that you could buy at one of those stands around 4th of July. (laughs) What we're going to get within two days, I think. Oh, gosh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, here at that's gonna um, be rough. <laughs> yes, our last uh, was it Fourth of July? Or was it Fourth last of New July? Year's? Was like it was like a war zone. Literally it felt like a war zone. It sounds ridiculous to make that comparison, but there were no, probably if you were here, you would understand as it, much artillery yeah. as you've seen in a battle somewhere. It's, and it's I've really decided terrifying. that I'm never going to be here for Fourth of July right. ever again. I can't do it. I don't. It's too stressful, and it goes on for three days. Yes. It does. I'm surprised we haven't heard more. Although but that's what this... Yeah. I, I was like, are there whistling peats? Like, what is happening? Like, this scene was... It was something. It was... It, there was a lot of shooting. Um, the the interchange that happens at this point with the... It becomes really... It becomes... Um, I was going to call him Fat Tony. Don't do that. Uh, which is the character <laughs> that is his the character from the Simpsons. Uh, Richie the Hammer. He yeah. winds up becoming, and there's not enough here. Here's one of my issues. One of my many issues of this Ginelli. film is that it's really shallow, because there are things that are hinted at here that would be really interesting. Uh, at one point, uh, lawyer Halleck is telling Richie, "You like this? This is something yeah. for you." And he's like, "Yeah, I love it." Yeah. He loves the idea of terrorizing these people. He loves the idea of sh- he kills one of them right off yeah. the bat. One of his informants is killed in a really horrible way. Mm-hmm. And his response is, well, you can't do that to his guy because that's a mook, but he's my mook. So now he redoubles his force and is throwing, you know, threatening to throw acid in people's faces. Mm-hmm. He's just a sadist. And oh, that's right. Yeah, he... Um... He leaves a jar of acid. Well, he says he splashed acid into the granddaughter Gina's face, mm-hmm. but it wasn't real. And then he pulls out another jar, and he's like, this is the real stuff. And he pours a little next to her so that she can see that it Right, obviously is the reacts, real thing. And then he puts the jar on her forehead. Now, this is after running her head, and she's her face is bloodied. Yeah. He runs her face into um, 
a ladder. This takes place in a bar in this incident. And then puts the jar of acid on her forehead so that if she moves prematurely, she will just be disfigured permanently. Um, now, mind you, this is probably no worse than whatever the hell they did to... It looks... The, the character that they kill, the informant for uh, Richie, I don't know what they do to him. It looks like they scoop out his brain or something because he looks yeah. like a, a, a scarecrow when they're done with him. Yeah, it's unclear. And so... This is like a challenge to Richie's uh, killing abilities. So yeah, that he goes and on a it's rampage. a little bit like because we don't know what they did. It feels racist. It's like, mm-hmm. ooh, what did those people do? Right. Like, what are they capable? of? And this of? comes one of the more problematic parts of the film is as if to say, because we're told all the time that the Romanies are magical. There's a scene very early in the film where Laurie Halleck goes up to his office, mm-hmm. and one of his friends goes, "Here, give this," and it feels dated. It yeah. feels very 1950s. Give that gypsy girl a quarter to see if she'll lift her skirt. Right. And this is, uh, we're talking about Gina. Yeah. And uh, when Halleck leaves his office and tries to get to his car, Gina confronts him, lifts her skirt, and then flips him off. Yeah. For for no reason. Like, he hadn't right. done anything. He was watching her. Yeah. And, and, and eating. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, he was eating a funnel cake or something. And that was before he but had gotten the suggestion the is, on him. Well, he's in the office looking down at the girl. That she somehow can hear his thoughts or hear his ideas. Yeah, maybe that's what because it is. Because then she to does be. exactly what the friend suggested that he do. Right. And so throughout the film, and again, you know, Shawnee Smith, it really does come to mind. She's just laughing or cackling yeah. hysterically or screaming. She and, really only says like four things, right. but they're all in these fervors that are like, who, this is not a person. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't a huge. A human character that no, they have this created. Is just, it's somewhere between a inflatable sex doll and a parrot. It it uh, wiggles around, but and also as a witch, she's a lots witch. Lots of noises that <laughs> we can't discern exactly what it is. Yeah, it's a it's and not a great right characterization. What becomes important in this part of the film too is that you're really seeing this kind of magical other. There's the magical Romani, there's the killer Italians, and it becomes a war between whose minority is worse. And um, Italians, and the poor it turns white out. Man caught in the middle. Right. Ooh. And the poor white man who everyone is referring to as the white man in town. The white man from town. That's right. They keep referring to him to the uh, right. to him as the white man from town, and then he says the white man from town is gonna bring justice, and that mm-hmm. is when he brings the Italian. <laughs> So not really. Yeah, I'm bringing my minority to to fight your minorityness because apparently white people are no match for colored people from whatever. Mind you, I'd like to point out that Michael Constantine, who's an exceptional actor who plays uh, Tadzu Lemke, is Greek, and Carrie oh, Woher really? is German. That's so German. yeah, no, there's not anyone of Romani like, descent. Right. There's the, they're they, not darkened. Like they're right. not wearing brown face. So that's. But looking Something. at them going, why are they calling him the white man from town? <laughs> you know, I don't understand what this is about. The other extras, they'll look vaguely more, I don't know, darker. Her husband, the character, the actor who plays her husband, seems oh, to yeah. be closer to what... Oh, that's right. And they kill... They end yeah, up Richie killing... kills the husband. No, no, <sighs> Richie doesn't. Richie... Yeah puts the husband on the front line so that he's accidentally killed by his own wife by his and own the other people. people right? yeah. They they end up, it's friendly fire that kills him, and that's sort of what breaks mm-hmm. the elder down to sort of acquiesce to Billy's um, mm-hmm. 
demands. And right. what he does is he takes some of Billy's blood and stirs it into a pie, a strawberry pie. <laughs> and this is what you have a problem with. Okay. okay. So the pie is a strawberry pie with a crust. See, in the when I pictured it from the book mm-hmm. and every strawberry pie I've ever seen that's just strawberry, mm-hmm. there's no crust on it. So the pulsing would be the red, mm-hmm. like, strawberry fleshiness of right. a pie which seems right in this case there is a full crust on top of this pie and it does pulse and you can't with it well, I actually I, I, think no, it looks pretty let me give creepy. a warning to the audience okay <laughs> I'm going to use very vulgar language oh right god here. here we go but being this is the same director who gave us the giant vagina in outer space oh, he does love a, hot, a big sparkly it's just like this frankly looks like a giant throbbing pussy pie really that's what it looks like no it doesn't. It There's does, no it's, cut in it. it. He does. He makes this sort of long slit in the middle of it, and then it begins throbbing, and that's Okay, all... I didn't see the slit in it when I was all seeing the I throbbing. I can think of when I'm looking at it, because he makes a big long slit, and then he pokes his hole through the hand uh, of the lawyer... Right, because and he's then got bounces that out some wound. more blood, yeah. and then it falls into this big opening, and then the pipe okay, begins so to Okay, so I don't think I was looking at the screen because I don't remember not be seeing that at, the at, screen all. at all. Because when we see the pie, when he hands mm-hmm. it over, which is when I remember seeing mm-hmm. it, it's just the it's just covered. Right. There's no none of that. Yeah, he 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 it's cuts a, a slit into the pie, um, and it just that was where I lost it. I'm going no now. If you describe the pie the way that you described it, where it's an open pie yeah. without a crust, that makes a lot more sense. Right, especially because, because the strawberry pie uh, already looks like blood. Like they make them that, so red. Right, that touches something gross. You know, when I was a kid, I have a permanent scar here on my hand that you can't see. I'm holding it up to the microphone for the no. audience. Well, okay. they can't. That's not how my where I work. opened up a can of tomato soup. Yuck. It cut, right, exactly. I know. It like cut the inside of my hand, and suddenly there was just blood and tomato sauce everywhere. Well, you gotta just throw that away. That's, That's lost. disgusting, though. That, I can understand that kind of. Well, you don't know what. Right, where I don't one know thing why it ended and the, the, the tomato soup began, or the tomato began. So I could see that if it was an open pie, but the crust of the pie just yeah, makes there, it look the fact that there's a crust on the pie makes zero sense. And I think to me. the crust was meant to aid the special effect of the throbbingness that it has later on. I, I like feel like you could have literally just put like a mm-hmm. bladder right into the pie, the pie in the red mm-hmm. yeah. sauce that's there, and just I expanded it. That would have been easier choice. and better. Hey, hire me. Okay. Um, so he calls home. He's got this pie, and he's told, this will kill whoever eats it quickly. Mm-hmm. You should eat it. Die clean, white man. Die clean. Uh, yeah, he <laughs> says, you should eat it. It'll mm-hmm. kill you faster than the curse right. that's on you will kill you, and it will be correct justice, right? Um, but anybody who eats it, Mm-hmm. That's how you're going to get the curse will transfer t- to them from you. Uh, so he calls home uh, from a payphone, a time, a relic of a time gone by, and said and talks to Linda and is like, "You need to go. Go. I'm going to come home. It's a surprise, but I don't want you to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to talk to your mom and whatever." And then he tells his wife that he is not coming home for a couple of days, but then he does go home. He doesn't have a lot of time. He's he's down to like one twenty something yeah. at this point, weight wise. Uh, yeah, 
And um, I'll, I'll talk. We'll talk about the effects mm-hmm. sort of after. Yeah, we do. I mean, it's a big um, deal because that's what's selling this movie. The he he comes in and he's like, "I'm exhausted. Um, you should have a piece of this pie. It's strawberry. It's your favorite. Convenient because it's yeah. not like he was asked to At what no pie point to do we get. Know that, you know, she likes. Um, so. And she's like, oh, great. And she's like, join me. And he's like, no, 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 I'm exhausted. I need to go upstairs and go to sleep. Uh, and then when he wakes up the next morning, this is a wild scene. He wakes up the next morning and he rolls over and he finds the desiccated corpse of his wife. And he's like super happy about it. And he kisses it on the mouth. And its mouth is real gross. And I don't understand why that happened at right. all. Uh and and he has done this now for two reasons, right? One, he believes that she is cheating on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically, uh, because he was told that basically they were 5150-ing him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, she was going to force him to be hospitalized in Dr. Mike's care. And she thought that uh, Dr. Mike, or he thinks that Dr. Mike is cheating with her. And also because he, she took absolutely none of the blame for the car accident that right. killed this woman, even though if she had not been doing what she was doing, it's unlikely that they would have been in the accident. So he blames her. Now, he could have also just said, hey, don't do that. It's not yeah. appropriate. Let's wait until we get home. But uh, he didn't do that either. So they're both to blame. But she took no... She was like, I don't, it no, wasn't me, I'm not not, not sure. it. You're the one who was driving the car. It's all on you, which is wild it's it's a way to go um and billy goes downstairs and runs into his daughter and she's like oh i didn't stay over i i'm sorry i know you told me to but i didn't but i came home and i talked to mom last night and we're all we're on better terms because they were fighting over Mm -hmm. i think her mom's treatment of her father that seemed to be what was their their main and her father's frankly going over the edge in his really Right, um, but... Because she gets up and leaves the table at one point earlier when he's just tearing through plates of food. Just eating, yes. Right. Just shoving food in his face, and she can't take it. And then she's like, and I had a piece of your pie for breakfast, and mm-hmm. now I'm going to go play volleyball with friends or soccer with friends or whatever. We're going to have the worst experience <laughs> ever. And so then he is horrified that she has eaten this pie, and he takes out a piece of the pie, or he takes out the pie, and we presume that he's going to eat it. I don't believe we see him actually take a bite. Mm. In the book, he definitely takes a bite. He takes a bite. He's definitely eating that pie, and they're all going to die together. Oh, but Mike knocks on the door. Dr. Mike knocks on the door, and Billy is like, why don't you come in, and we'll ha- both have a piece of this pie. So Mike's taking, or Billy's taking everybody with him. Uh, yeah, it, at that moment, it seemed very much like he was just Cleaning the slate for everything. Well, it Mike knocks on the door, is very surprised that Billy is the one that answers the mm-hmm. door, which means he was expecting Heidi to be there. So why are you here at fucking 9 a.m. to see Heidi? What's that about? What's that about, sir? What's it's it about really eat about? this pie and die horribly. Uh, and that's the end of the movie. So <laughs> there are so many things to unpack. Mm-hmm. Um First of all, what did you feel about the representation, as we talked about earlier, of people of other races bad. or cultures in this movie? I felt bad about it. Uh, uh, it's racist, 
Mm-hmm. It's it's rooted in racism. Like you couldn't. I do love Stephen King. Okay, here we go. We this can preface this, this by racist. saying this we is love racist. Stephen King. I do not think that Stephen King is a racist. I think he has written some racist shit, and this is racist. You cannot keep the Romany people as the prote- or as the antagonists of this movie and not have it be racist. You just can't. It's not possible. The portrayal of Italians is not significantly better. Uh, except they're on the side of our protagonist, I guess, because I'm not rooting for Billy at any point. I'm like, fucking get thinner. Waste away. You killed this woman and then got off scot free. I'm not cool with it. Whose side am I on in this movie? It's well, and this is what I felt. It very much speaks to the kind of modern idea, as you mentioned, of the white man from town and his lifestyle is being threatened by these free-spirited people. Is it? Really. Well, he believes that. (laughs) That's what the story is. Uh, Earlier, the judge says, well, all the football team, the high school football team is going to get the clap now because the Romany girls are in town. That's not on them. Yeah. Well, but the idea is, again, it's talking about a culture that's being threatened uh, by these people from the outside. That's what Sure, except it's definitely not I on know those that people. It isn't, okay, okay. But I'm saying that's what his fear is, and that's really what this story is about, these people from the outside. Because... Because boys will be boys and they can't be expected Right, they can't to. be helped. They what? have this need to go and all, you know, have a gangbang with a gypsy girl, for lack of a better word. Sorry. But that's kind of what this story is about. There, there's not a moment when anyone is sympathetic towards him at all. And the lead character, the character that Michael Constantine plays, is not sympathetic either, because we find out he just throws curses up at random at people. Because later, uh, Halleck goes looking for him, finds an, a man in a bar who worked at a carnival, and he'll go, that bastard, I remember him, the guy with the thing on his nose, well, he did this to me. Uh, so apparently he just... Well, but what had he done... Well, but we don't know to that. him, we don't know. What we know is that the character is made out to be that he throws out curses and brings trouble everywhere he goes. That's the sort he's of suggestion. He's not bringing just trouble, he's bringing justice. Right, he believes he's bringing justice. So it's a persecuted minority, they're mistreated, but they come into this town and they cause problems. And again, from Carrie Warrer's performance, she behaves two steps above an animal. She's screeching, she she's does. screaming. It's wild. I'm right. just like, what is, what is Yeah. What is this character? Like, she didn't seem like a person who would even be capable of making the decision to get married. You know what I mean? Right. Like, that's, uh, yeah. But at the same time, she's desirable to all these men. They're willing to, to have sex with her, but, you know, she's disgusting or she's dirty or she's one of them. There's a lot of problems with that. Also, what happens when the white man from town is threatened and he is not up to the challenge of the Romani people. He brings in his own killer minority who yeah. then is even more dangerous because he's just a sadist on top of everything yeah. else. Yeah. And to me, that was the part of the, that was the character that was worth exploring more. And it's a huge waste. As much as Joe Mantegna likes to make fun of himself, or likes to make fun of his image, right? He's a Tony Award-winning actor. Yes, he is. He won the Jefferson Award for... And he leans heavily right. into his Italian... 
heritage yeah. in a lot of his stuff that isn't like he's constantly drinking wine and making pasta in mm-hmm. CSI. Right. Or not CSI, uh, Criminal Minds. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's stereotypical, but it's yeah. also like that's true of Italian men in a lot of cases. Like it's not a caricature. This is a caricature. This yeah, <sighs> there's not really a um there's not really a lot of depth in it, but the yeah, the idea that this is the guy who won the Tony Award and was the Jefferson Award. He was one of the David Mamet players from back in the day. Uh, right. And he's just doing this kind of really broad stereotype in this movie, which I hope really paid well because it didn't do anything for his reputation. But, um, but yeah, that's the way I saw it. I got a more dangerous ethnic type than you have, and he's going to use his powers of ethnicity to kill you, so then you're going to have to take off your curse. I don't know what on earth the movie was aiming for because the people caught in the middle, the white people from town, are pretty uniformly just a bunch of jerks. Yeah. The only sympathetic character to me in the entire film is Linda, Linda Halleck, the daughter. Yeah, because she's too young to have really fucked up yet. (laughs) She's completely innocent. She's not a part of these sort of, um, these pretenders, this sort of upper middle class group that's... uh, trying to escalate into the... I mean, she's probably a mean girl at her school. I, I yeah. She seems like a sweetheart. The only times that we see her, she really cares about her dad. She does really care about her dad, and but... And she looks, the actress, and she's very young at this point, really does get across that she's broken up by seeing her dad kind of do a descent into madness. She's watching it happen, and she doesn't know how to handle it because she's just a kid. So I think if anybody, she's the innocent character in the movie. Because in the end... Um, Ms. Lumpke did walk into the street between two cars. She did. <laughs> on a dark street. But so that doesn't... That doesn't... That's not what caused the accident, but at no. the same time... Yeah. Um, it, it's... Everyone has something on them except for this one kid who's the, the, the shining light of goodness uh, in this story. You're giving her more credit than I'd be willing well, to give her. Well, she's the only character that's worth really rooting for, really. Right. Well, she dies, so. And I think that <laughs> another thing that we have to discuss is the mom. No, she's terrible. I she's do. terrible, but at the same time, I don't... I, I think there's... that She's under constant suspicion. He's calling her names. He really is acting crazy. No, he's, no, no. He's, right. he's not... Yeah, neither of them are good. They deserve no. each other. Yeah, yeah, they, they do. They deserve each other, for sure. Yeah, no... Uh, yeah. I just don't know. I, I don't root for literally anyone in this movie. Like I, like, I can't root uh-huh. for any of these people. Well, I can't root for the people that they've fleshed out to actually be characters, and mm-hmm. then I can't root for these other individuals because they have not been given well, no. human traits. As I said, you know, you could, uh, with very little changes to the script, you could have them be, you know, Hyenas. Sasquatch or something. Yeah, I don't it, know. It's... There's not much difference. They scream and they run around and, and hurt people. I don't understand the whole slingshot thing with the ball bearings. I don't understand why this is something that you do. Everyone else has a gun, but you have a weird, uh, you know. My sense is at slingshot. some point you would have seen her like doing tricks, mm-hmm. shots, and stuff like that for yeah. money. In like, because they had a festival type thing set yeah. up. Um, but I don't think we see that, so we well, don't we know. See but it in a dream sequence. Yeah, he's he so he's seen her with a slingshot before. Mm-hmm. Or else, why would he have that dream 
wherein she attacks him with a slingshot, to then be attacked with by a slingshot in reality now, two nights I'd later say or whatever. The worst prizes in the world in that uh, booth because they're all dolls of the people who are dying, which was actually there were neat. three kinds. <laughs> it was neat, except it was it was really odd because there were three kinds, uh-huh. right? And we do actually see Carrie, and he's got very lizardy. Mm-hmm. Skin like right. his skin looks actually like a desert floor, yeah. like that cracked yeah. um, thing. So that's what it reminded me of more than a lizard. But uh, so there's him, and then there's Halleck, who's like super gaunt face, and then like mm-hmm. no no clothes, like no fluff in his body. And then I don't remember what the other one even looked like. I guess boily, but well, I don't remember. He kind of looked like he was suffering from some sort of. It's not acromegalia. It wouldn't be like that because that actually has some sort of bone changes as well. This was some weird puffy distortion that yeah. inflated his but body. But I don't remember what the... I can't remember what the dolls look like, but there were all of these dolls of these three mm-hmm. individuals. Right. And it scanned along the wall of those dolls for like a minute? Because I think it took a lot of work to... And it's like, to look, make how, look all how of these. this was. Yes. <laughs> But why? I don't know. <laughs> like, see, it just... this is a good transition to the other thing I'm curious about discussing, mm. which is how you felt about the makeup Ugh. in this film. Because it is a really competent team of people. It is. And they did work. But a fat suit never looks like a human being. Mm-hmm. It looks like a person in a fat suit. Especially when it starts on the face the way that this one does. Like, I can see... What part is person and what part is latex or, um, I don't even think, I think it was probably latex, probably phone remover latex that they were using and not, uh, silicone because I think silicone, I don't think that silicone was where it is now in 1996 when they were filming this. Uh, and also I think it would be too heavy. There's a scene where he goes in the fat suit, into a shower. And I was like, that's impressive. Yeah, that was impressive because I felt like it... You... And Stephanie did say, there's no way that's a hot water. No, right, that's no. cold water because <laughs> no. the hot water would melt that glue fast. Yes, that would be terrifying. But um, the, the, to their credit, they had a lot of kind of work to do. It's a big makeup movie. It is. I was a... Uh, I liked the uh, makeup of the judge. I liked mm-hmm. the makeup of the chief of police, too. Mm-hmm. I think that they did nice... Especially a chief of police, you don't really see. He's in dark. He's photographed really well, so too. You don't, so yeah, so you don't just, see mm-hmm. the seams and things like that. Right. But our main character is in a suit the whole time. Mm-hmm. And, and the other problem is when he gets thin, they want to make his face look gaunt. And they do that by patting out his face and then carving gauntness into right. it which just makes him look like he's wearing a weird mask. It doesn't make yeah. him look gaunt. Uh, uh, and that's a hard thing. I give credit to the actor who probably, I don't think we ever see him out of makeup. There's no, no regular scene of him. This must have been an ordeal to shoot this film. Yeah, even when he was at whatever weight he was physically at, mm-hmm. I don't think that they filmed him at that. He was no. never... He didn't have a day where it was like, oh, yeah, phew, we've gotten to where, he... where my character's weight crosses my own and I can just wear... Because they've started with this uh, uh, appliance on his face 
that they have to basically leave on his face mm-hmm. and change as the movie goes because yeah. your skin doesn't just go away. Yeah, I will say that in terms of fat makeup, I think there's Rick Baker and there's no one else. Maybe. Uh, who did some amazing things that they asked him to tone down when he was working for one of the... Uh, the Eddie Murphy movies. They actually asked mm. him to tone down because he was going, no, well, there's dimples in, in That's flesh. That's the thing. There's, this sort of looks like these rolls of, of solid fat that it's has no solid, character. And it no doesn't f- move. Right. And when he moves his head, it doesn't move. That's mm. the thing. Fleshy, f- f- human flesh, mm. especially if it's, you know, been stretched out by mm-hmm. fat, Jiggles. It moves. And fat right. makeup doesn't do Well, that's that. it. And so when Rick Baker was trying to do it, and he'd done it twice with Eddie Murphy, where he wanted to do a suit that had dimples in, like you would get with cellulite. He wanted to get stretch marks in the flesh. Mm-hmm. And the producer's like, that's, nobody's going to want to see that. But his whole thing was, it, but are you, do you want to make this look like an actual person, or do you want to make it well, look be- like makeup? Because producers think that nobody wants to see a fat person mm-hmm. ever. Because right. they'll probably be violently ill and then die. That's what happens when you see a fat person. It's why we have our, we have to stay inside and Old Navy won't let us shop in their stores. Oh, that's just horrible. So, um, this, they, yeah, yeah, so it is uh-huh. like, I do understand why they didn't get somebody who was heavier and have uh-huh. them lose weight because that would have been... Dangerous? Well, not dangerous. I mean, it can be. Rapid weight loss can be really hard on the kidneys. It can be, um, and it would have to be significantly rapid for mm-hmm. it to read well. Yeah. I don't. I just don't know. I think they maybe should have started with an actor who was heavier, though. Well, uh, and then I think they could have make make up him uh-huh. thinner. This I is, do think that this that's, is a B movie, right? With yeah. a limited production schedule. When you look at a film like Castaway. Where you well, start with Tom Hanks actually gaining weight so that he can lose weight over the course of the film. Right. Uh, that was a better way to do it. And you could have at least started with something so the flesh looked like it. And Greg Kankom, to his credit, this is uh, the guy who did uh, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Oh, okay. The makeup in that is actually really good. Right. Um, uh, Benjamin Button. Oh, okay. So he has a lot... He's not it, bad at what he no, does. No, no. And I think that it also might be interference from a, a, a producer going, no, nobody wants to see that. that That's same kind true. Of we thing. want it to look like a fat suit so that nobody thinks, God forbid, that the, we hired somebody who was fat. Because right. But it that just, can't be. It didn't have the texture and the, the sort of movement of actual flesh, and that's the, the only real thing to say against yeah. it. Somebody tried very hard to Yeah, they to did, but it's, it's because those fat suits don't move. Right. It, and they always are the same shape. That face is mm-hmm. all, it's the same right. shape. You guys have seen when uh, Ryan Reynolds wears the fat suit in that wait, waiting mm-hmm. movie, or not, it's not waiting, it's, I don't, I don't Well, it's immobile. He, it doesn't have a movement It doesn't flesh, move, right. right. And and whenever the actors are speaking in it, mm-hmm. it they almost have to move like a Pez dispenser. Like they can't right. move their chin. It makes which them look is, like puppets. <laughs> which, right, which is what you move when you're talking. Right. They have to move the top of their head too much because otherwise that's all going to separate from their yeah. jaw and then they have to be in makeup for another two hours. And it doesn't have the movement to where, for instance, if I turn my face from side to side, my neck moves No, with that's me. the other thing. Right. A person in a fat suit... Turns from the waist. <laughs> they don't. There's no turning it, it of the neck. It reminds me of 
<laughs> of Michael Keaton talking about doing Batman where the, the shoulders yes. and the collar were all one piece, so he had to turn his entire body. His whole to, body. To turn around. He has I, to like, I, he, George Clooney was even worse, wasn't he? They had yeah. to like wheel him in yeah, and then he stand was on him a, up. On a board, yeah. it, a tilt board. <laughs> you know, that, that was <laughs> like Hannibal Lecter. Right. No, it's terrible. But that's the thing, yeah. So when you see people in fat suits, yeah, they're constantly, their whole butt, mm. like it looks like they're in traction or something because their right. neck can't turn. Yes. Uh, and it's just, yeah. So so it's it's a problem when it's the person you're seeing mm-hmm. constantly. The other thing that is, if you're a person who doesn't like watching people eat and talk, this is not the movie for you. That was unpleasant for me, too, because it's just played out for almost like gross out effect. Him just it stuffing is. things that are dripping all over his chin and falling on his clothes. And it's, it kind of goes back and forth in mm, tone yes. from, ha I can eat whatever I want. To I have to eat all of this food. Back to haha, I can eat whatever yeah. I want. In, in back to back scenes where you're like, where one minute he's like, oh, I have to do this mm-hmm. because otherwise I'm going to lose too much weight. Yeah. I'm I'm being erased. He says uh, at one and point. I wish they would have preserved that tone to it or that feeling. Right. So that and then sometimes desperate. he just sit down and he's like, haha, right. double fisting pie and shit, and you're just like. This isn't a fun. Yeah, this is just gross, and it's like it's gross to see somebody eat like that. It's pretty much seeing a person eat like a hungry pet, you Mm -hmm. know, at a a, a dish or somebody who's starving or something like that. Not no, no. And there's a lot of mouth sounds and yeah stuff. God, can you imagine having to foley and all these noises later on? I'll give it a miss. Uh, So yeah, so that's that was. Pretty, pretty. So, much. what was your feeling of it overall? What? Ah, uh, don't, don't watch right. this, y'all. Don't, you don't need to watch this one. This one, you can go ahead and give it a miss. You, you can look at the cover, understand mm-hmm. what it is, yeah. and move on with your day. And I, I feel that had some more care been taken, and maybe less pie, I think that it could have been a really intriguing movie because that line, "I'm being erased." It says something about it, and you can try to find a way to contextualize the weird racism of the film of the, of the story. That's the other thing is, yeah, the story is fundamentally racist, and so if they were going to remake it or something, you'd have to do something other than the Romani people. Like, right. well, I feel <sighs> like you could do, you could even have the Romani people. As long as they're people yeah. and not shrieking sex fiends. Yeah, who maybe. live out, you know, maybe. on the camp at the edge of town. And and what I find probably the most problematic is they do all the things that you think they do. They're dancing in short skirts and tight panties. They're roaming around. The men all have muscles. The women all have hips. And they they spend all their nights drinking and dancing and shooting guns. And they're guns. stealing. That's the other thing. They're right. stealing. They say, well, I don't even know if that's true. They're at the pharmacy. Uh-huh. Um, when Suzanne leaves to go get her jacket from the car, I think yeah. is, and and they say that they were stealing at that mm-hmm. point, but I don't know that that's I don't know that true that, or established, right. or if it's just gives them another reason we can write off this incident. Well, they were stealing anyways, so whatever happened to them, yeah, in the commission I think of a that's crime, also such a stereotype of the Theban gypsies, yeah, exactly, who are given actually the the what was the story. They're given the right to steal. Have you ever heard that one? I, I, there was no, a large... and I, I don't. No, no. This is a story they tell. 
there was a community. Um, and there are interesting films about that kind of, um, I think, uh, Travelers was a really interesting movie. Oh, interesting. I okay. think. Uh, uh, was that Romany or uh, Irish? Well, it was Usually a, it the was, Irish are called Travelers. It but. was Irish, but it's also they have connections with the other groups. Right. It's as if the people of the road all have ways mm-hmm. of identifying each other and all have bosses they organize under. Mm-hmm. And that was a fair view of this. The New York uh, Romany, though, was... Uh, there's a film that I think it's called King of the Gypsies, sadly enough, with uh, Eric Roberts, I think, and um, Tim Robbins' wife. Oh, my God. I just, I love her, and I lost her name. You mean second. Susan Sarandon? Susan They're not Sarandon. together anymore. And they, I don't think they were ever actually married. Uh, but they did another film about the life of Romani it, people. It, that is what it is called. It's from 1978. Yeah. Uh, Shelley Winters, Sterling Hayden, Susan Sarandon, Judd Hirsch, Eric Roberts, Brooke Shields, yeah. Ned O'Toole, Annie Potts. I'm just going That's to like don't know a person. Amazing that was, cast. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the story that the, the was also, they played a large part in the TV show Kojak. Oh, interesting. Because that was a real, and I don't think you get that much now, real neighborhood cop show. It was all the Greek guys in the neighborhood and the Romans gotcha. come by and they, they tell them the story about why they're allowed to steal because when Jesus was crucified, there was a fourth stake meant for his heart and the gypsy stole it. So therefore, God's given them the right to steal. It was a really oh, interesting. funny ethnic, you know, kind of like, this is why we can do it and God looks the other way. But, um, but yeah, there's so many other stories to tell about this. I was really upset a few years ago watching Drag Me to Hell which is a movie that I otherwise liked, but you would think in this day and age that this one group is going to be... And the gypsies there have the same issues. Well, There's the hideous old hag because woman. Because we're still using the word gypsy like right. it's not a fucking slur, yeah. and it is. Um, the, and gyp uh, comes from yeah. that, which oh, I didn't I know, so if you didn't know that, just that's some information that you may want to know. Uh so if you feel like, yeah, you got gypped, it comes, right. which I never knew was related and to that. My understanding was that it was coming from the idea that they were Egyptian once upon a time. There was uh, no clear understanding of what this know, group was. But it's not what they call themselves, and yeah. it's oh, no, no, only ever all. used, you know, uh, detrimentally. So, mm-hmm. um, and I think because they're a nomadic people, mm-hmm. Nobody trusts the nomads, right? Because right. we don't know we we don't know them well enough to feel like understanding them is important, uh, and so it's easier to be afraid of them. It's easier to be afraid of them and to cast all and your to blame on them, them for yeah. anything that happens to be happening. You know, so yeah, it's terrible. Hey guys, let's not let's not. Yeah, but in that particular film, it felt as if they'd seen this movie because it had all the same stereotypes. It had the sexy young woman. It had the old crone woman. It had this... uh, And, of course, the ability to make curses is a big deal. Curses and black magic, and they're constantly being associated with this. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really all they're associated with. Yeah. I associate them with bananas weddings. There's a TLC program. interesting jewelry... Great costumes. Um, <laughs> There's some beautiful... I remember you and I were taking a trip through Richmond, I think, when we lived there, right? 
And we got to see a wedding that was held with a literal uh, pumpkin carriage driving down the street, uh, pulled by horses. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. That was amazing. There was a TLC web, uh, wedding series called, like, uh, My Big Fat... I think it was My Big Fat Gypsy Wedding. So, sorry. And they they have, like, a a courting situation and mm-hmm. they tend to get married very young, like very young, yeah. like 16 to 18, very young. And they have a style that I can only <laughs> refer to as extra. Yeah. Extra. Right. Extras. They wear dresses that you cannot fit through the door of a church. Wow. And I don't know if you've seen doors of churches. Oh, I have. I They're big. Big double doors. And you're like, yeah. You can't get it's through that. It's really, really right. interesting. Because I'm just like, I would never even think. Mm-hmm. I would never even think of some of the things go that they're like doing. And I'm just, right. yeah. And then they add to the caravan. And they get their own, you know, vehicle in the caravan. It's re- It was interesting. It was an interesting, you know, look at into a culture that I didn't yeah. really know anything about. Which is what I like about movies. Um, and they had they had people from both the Irish Traveler um, groups and Romani groups. So uh, that was interesting. But then they also were like, you know, some places that we go, we can't have these weddings. And some places there are, uh, they, they can't rent venues mm-hmm. because they just won't rent yeah. to Romani people. Uh, they won't because they think that they're not going to get paid. Um and all of their dresses, of course, are like special ordered. Yeah. And just so much tool. Just so much. Just like the entire, all of the tool in Connecticut. Please. I need all of it. It's magical. I kind of, I just enjoy <laughs> the, the. I, I don't have all the issues with them. I don't understand what that was. I think uh, recently there's another adaptation of... Um, the Golden Compass. Yes. Which features very much that English impression of, and they're more heroic in that film, but still, you know, thieving people who practice black magic <laughs> or magic. That's oh, interesting. still yeah. that representation. Yeah. So, so this movie is fundamentally racist and fat phobic. So steer clear, steer clear. Boy, ear, ear, ear. I don't get it myself. I, 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 yeah. I don't understand I didn't, it. I didn't enjoy The Watch. Mm-hmm. This conversation has been better than The Watch was. Right. So Everyone now we can put be it behind happy us. whatever size you are. Just be healthy as much as you can and you're fine. Well, I don't yeah, and it. size does not mm-hmm. dictate health. No, it doesn't. Uh, but yeah, it's... It's fat phobic. It is fat shamey. Every scene of it is fat shamey, and um, and then racist, racist to Romani people, racist to Italians. It's just, it's yeah. not, it's not a great look. It's racist towards pies. I think that's the other thing. It <sighs> really hurts pie. my love of pie. You'll be fine. Okay. So, uh, do you have anything to recommend that? Well, I want to talk of... about what we're gonna watch next first. Okay. All right. So next week, I have right in front of me, a DVD, because I went ahead and bought a DVD of The Night Flyer. This might be the only way you could watch it, so uh, sorry, everybody else, but it's available on Amazon, because what isn't? Uh, so we're watching Stephen King's The Night Flyer, the best King adaptation since Misery, says the box. 
I seem to remember having seen it a very long time ago and remembering that it was good, and that it was good mostly because of Miguel Ferrer's performance. I have never seen it. I don't know what it's based on, and I'm excited I to watch it. I remember very little of it because, unlike most movies that I like, I've only seen it once. If I like a movie, I tend to see it 15 or 20 times. That's true. Um, and then every once in a while after that. I, I, I'm probably the last generation of people who watches movies that way. Yeah, I don't. There's too much. Yeah. Then that's, and now that's I want to watch things that, although I will watch a thing that mm-hmm. I know I will like if I don't want to think about what well, I want to watch. Well, I think I came from the television generation where your favorite movie played at three o'clock in the morning sometimes or on the weekend and you rushed home to see it because you didn't have a VCR, you didn't have these other things that you can just preserve the movie. And once I had a VCR, it became sort of problematic because then I could see the, my favorite movies anytime I wanted. And the specialness of seeing that film that you've been waiting, oh, I haven't seen that one in years. It's not around anymore because you can see it anytime you like. Right. I think there's some films now that are, uh, it's almost, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday about how the DVD is going away as well. Yeah. And it seems like an unfair trade to go through a streaming service that might cut this off and then you you, you can't have access to that movie that you haven't seen in That's years. That's the thing, is people rely on the digital thing. Mm-hmm. Amazon could at any time go, these are expired now, right? and you don't have access to them, because it's ones and zeros. There's yeah. no... And the things I like to see are often older movies that don't have a great audience. Right, so, so they would just disappear, right. maybe. They would just disappear, yeah. so I'm very weary of buying it on a streaming service, because you can't buy them, supposedly, and then something happens, or that service, because sometimes the, the movies I like to watch are very obscure. Right. And then it's just not available anymore. And maybe you'll find a muddy copy on YouTube sometime in the future. Gotcha. Yeah. Do you have anything to recommend? Well, I think I know what movie you're going to recommend. You're going to recommend a movie, I take it? I don't know. Okay. Why don't you recommend well, what you're going to recommend? Well, what I would like to re- recommend, based on the idea that I think I know what you're going to recommend, is I saw uh, Little Women. Oh. Which I did not at all expect to enjoy so much. I was seeing Have it. you read or seen I have any not other read the book. I have not seen any single film adaptation. So no. No. You were going in blind. I was going in, in the blind. year of our Lord twenty nineteen, you watched Little Women unspoilered. Right. And That's impressive. It is but I like the director. I like Greta Gerwig. I liked her other work. Yes. So I wanted to see this one. I liked the cast in the film. It's a really amazing cast to, to have. Yes. Uh, and I like period pieces. This film felt very authentic in terms of the costumes, the production mm-hmm. design. Parts of it seem to have actually been shot. When does it take place? It takes place in 18... Good Lord. I'm sorry. You got me. 18-something. 1868. Okay. It takes place in 1868. And it was written by Louisa May Alcott, who yeah. formerly science fiction writer, um, as I learned well, since then. She was also a science fiction writer. Right, but this formally. book is, uh, it covers the four sisters who live in the house of a well, there were five. transcendentalist minister Okay. who is away ministering to souls during the American Civil War. He gets in trouble for teaching a school, for teaching um, former slaves to read and write. So they're a very socially conscious family, and they're living in poverty. 
and how they sort of make do in the various suitors that they, they have and the romance. And I don't want to spoil any of it for you. That makes it sound boring, but it's actually really well done. These four actresses play sisters really, really well. They're constantly knocking each other over. You're one true beauty. (laughs) Oh, that line really, even though I knew it, it still worked. One of my favorite things was sitting in a very full theater in front of what must have been a seven or eight-year-old girl watching it with her mom. Mm. And I'm really glad I was a part of that because the girl kept asking her mom questions all through the movie that I could overhear. Mom, but that boy likes her too. Why isn't she like that boy? Mom, there's so many boys to like. That one's cute too. That one's nice. Why doesn't she want to marry him? Mom, why doesn't Joe want to get married? Why does she want to write books? And by the end of it, you know, one of the characters Mom's like there's a scene where one of the characters has scarlet fever, and her thing was, Mom, why is she so red? What does scarlet mean? And it, it red was, dear, it means red. It was really wonderful because I was there. Having an experience I would not normally have, which is being a part of this young woman's growing up, but it was really well done, and the direction it took really interesting directions. It takes place both in the present of the novel, where Joe March, who's Sasha Ronan, mm-hmm. is writing about the relationship between her and her sisters, mm-hmm. and then flashbacks to the incidents that inspired the incidents in the book. And it feels very authentic. Apparently, the director banned cell phones and things from every cast member and every crew member on the set. They filmed in actual historical houses. They really went overboard to try to show a different side of this kind of life that was not about people who are necessary, although there are wealthy people in it. Mm-hmm. Meryl Streep played the, 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 the kind of... Yeah, that cast is really Yeah, am- it's exceptional. Amazing. Emma Watson, Florence Pugh, who's really good. Um, you might know her from Freaking Out in Midsummer. Eliza Scanlon. She's crying. Really right, Laura Dern, mm-hmm. Meryl Streep, it, Bob Odenkirk. It's uh, Chris Cooper, who is really good in it. I really love Chris Cooper. And he is a, he's behind a great deal of facial hair, but he's still very recognizably Chris Cooper. And the entire it's, it's a really wonderful film. And uh, I've read, one of the reasons why I really want to get people to see it, so I read that it's been virtually ignored by male critics. Because there's too many ladies in it. Right. And that it's not Dumb. a sexy ladies movie. It's a... <sighs> yeah, no, because they're movie. all dressed in Victorian era. And they're dressed in... <laughs> or Elizabethan clothes. Yes, that's something that becomes kind of a joke in the film, is that they're all wearing eight layers of clothes. Because most of the film takes place in the winter, and they're not very happy about it. Yeah. And living in this drafty old house, I can sympathize. But um, so, what would you like to? Well, you were you're pushing me towards the movie. I'm going to I'm going to say mm. two things. Okay. The first thing I'm going to say is, if you have Disney Plus and you haven't stumbled on the Mandalorian because uh-huh. you don't care about Star Wars, I'm telling you, watch the Mandalorian. It's super fun, and Baby Yoda is the best thing that's ever happened, ever, <laughs> to anyone, ever. The end. So I'm very late to that party, but it just wrapped up its first mm-hmm. season. Also pointing out the problem with Disney Plus, the next new thing on Disney Plus is like in a year. So oh, maybe wow. we could cancel. It's not like we're watching Lilo and Stitch every day because we have a four-year-old. Uh, so we'll see about that. The movie that I will recommend that you are pushing me towards, Peer Pressure, 
is Queen and Slim. We watched it this weekend, and then we cried a lot. It's a beautiful film. It's a very beautiful film. I, Daniel Kaluuya, whose name I probably cannot pronounce because I pronounce it differently every time that I say it, is fantastic, and I cannot wait for, like, in 20 years when we're like, let's just watch all of his movies, right. and they're all going to be bangers. Uh, and Jodie Turner-Smith, who I really loved in mm-hmm. The Night Flyers show, not to be confused with Stephen King's The Night Flyer, uh, was very good at it. And her character was really interesting, because I think, as you said, when we got to the end of it, the miracle of the movie was that you liked her character by right. the end of it. It's, I mean, the the trailer tells you what the movie is going to be. Right. These two are on the run because they kill a cop at mm-hmm. a traffic stop, is what happens. Through basically no fault of their own, but right. that's what happens. They're not given names until the very end, and I was actually pretty surprised that they actually got names at all. I thought that they might just be monikers and Mm -hmm. not actually named. Apparently, I have heard, um, I don't know this for a fact because I am not a part of Black Twitter, but Black Twitter has uh, sort of dueling thoughts on Mm -hmm. the film itself. Uh, But I think, I like Lena Waithe as a writer a lot, and I think that she does a really nice job. I think the directing is fantastic. Um, I've never seen anything else by this director. Melinda Matsukis, I think. Or Melina Matsukis, excuse me. Oh, that a Greek match? She's the director for Beyonce's Formation video. Okay. And she worked on Insecure with Issa Rae, her show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she worked on Master of None with Lena Waithe, who was also a writer on that show. Uh, so that's... But she does, has done a lot of music videos. She knows how to light black people. Mm-hmm. And she does an excellent job of it. Well, there's Everyone yeah. in this movie looks phenomenal. There's a, a whole difference. And I know we've talked about that. Uh, when the cinematographer was working on a soldier story, talked uh, discussed the issues with lighting white and black people in the same scene and he has a mostly black cast and he really it was a an experience for him going in there and saying that we're not lighting towards the white actors we're lighting towards the main part of the cast and then suddenly it became sort of different um yeah they just became beautiful and when you're looking at queen and slim they are really beautiful people there's all sorts of Colors, yeah. There's a whole, a whole spectrum of the way that that the characters look, but also just the place. It has an incredible texture. Yeah, it does. I don't want to spoil any of it for anybody. No, um, it's, it's very good. Um, bring some tissues, though. And Stephanie knew it was going to be a problem because she saw the trailer twice and cried both times. Right. So she knew going in that but that was going to be a It's a relationship thing. movie too. It's yeah. not as if these two start out on this journey together, knowing each other and loving each other. No, no, this is two people learning to trust each other over the course of this story, and there's not, especially in her case, not entirely sympathetic people. They make some serious errors, but they don't, they don't deserve what they're getting. Yeah, that's right. Uh, 
yeah, it's it's tough, but it's good. And the, the performances are really good, and it is beautiful to watch. So do check that out. All right, I think that brings us to the end. Okay. Uh, if you have questions, concerns, comments, uh, please uh, shoot us an email. We're available there at uh, latecomerspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at latecomerspodcast uh, and on Twitter at latecomerspod. Next week, The Night Flyer. I legitimately don't know how you're going to watch this movie unless you have a DVD of it. Uh, so good luck with that. <laughs> um, uh, I remind you to take your medicine, and we remind you... Better, better late than, late than never. never. Happy New Year!